Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled, The Day of the Lord, Part 2. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning international audience. We also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Before we start, I have a brief announcement. It is important. Last week, I gave the date for Thursday incorrectly. However, it is the same week as September 14th, which is when we will be moving away from Podomatic to a new host at Hindcast.com. Possibly a bit sooner. However, to be clear, we are not on Pinecast yet. We will have more information in our post announcements. Further updates as soon as anything new warrants further updating. Please listen to hear this information later in this podcast. Thank you all for listening, following, and moving with us. Last week, we studied three aspects found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1-14. through 14. These three aspects are among several. I believe the three aspects we examined are relevant to our lives today. The three aspects we examined are found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 3-5, through 5, chapter 5, verses 8-10, through 10, and chapter 5, verse 14. Paul specifically said, Concerning the times and the seasons, Brothers, you have no need for it to be written. Why? It almost seems as if they knew this by how this is written. Yet, we today assume this is not true. Period. This is thanks to our great disconnect and invisible divide in many biblical matters since we would rather be taught than to learn for ourselves. That teaching, in America anyway, comprising only 30 to 60 minutes, in the form of a verbal lecture, most of which is forgotten by most Americans by the time they leave through the church doors to the outside parking lot. This week, we complete our second part of this study in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We dig even deeper into this passage. Scripture reads, See that no one pays back evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for one another and for all. Always rejoice. Constantly pray. In everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not extinguish the Spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. But examine all things. Hold fast to what is good. Stay away from every form of evil. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 15-22 through 22. 
a lot of plain, easy-to-understand do and don't issues in that passage for sure. Could it explain why much of the American church is the way it is today? Possibly other churches around the world as well? This is why this bears examination. Notice how this passage opens. Verse 15 reads, See that no one pays back evil for evil to anyone, comma, but always pursue what is good for one another and for who? And for all. Where is the exceptions found in the phrase and for all? Despite the exceptions made in many American churches, this portion of Scripture says these exceptions are incorrect with absolutely no wiggle room. There are no exceptions in the word all. Therefore, this means there is no distinction between the saved and the unsaved in this Scripture passage. There are no exceptions, period. The church body of believers is, at all times, to, quote, always pursue what is good for one another and for all. Do you see any distinction here made of the saved and the unsaved? The good of one another is your brothers and sisters, without exception regardless of anything we may not like that we find in them. This thought or even command is conjoined with the word in. Then, two words, for all, or the good for one another is for all brothers and sisters, and all of everyone else who is not yet a brother or sister in Christ. Otherwise, our witness based in our speech, actions, and deeds is pointless as well as without the light of Christ. Notice how this verse reads in Green's literal translation. See that no one returns evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue the good both towards one another and Towards all. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 15. There is just no getting away from the fact there is no one in or outside the faith who should be dealt with in a different manner as is such in today's American churches. Many, not all, but many American churches define or even create two classes of people that Scripture does not so well define outside of the saved and the unsaved. Commentary reads, See that none render evil for evil unto any man, not an ill word for an ill word, railing for railing, nor an ill action for an ill action. No, not to any man, whatever, not to any enemy, a persecutor, a profane person, 
as well as not to a brother, a believer in Christ. And this the saints should not only be careful of and guard against in themselves, but should watch over one another and see to it that no such practice is found in each other. From the new John Gill's exposition of the entire Bible. Regardless of what you may think or have been taught, if you are contrary in this way, you need to pause and review your life. This is not to say there should not be structure and organization. Even certain criteria to be met for certain constructs. The Bible is also clear on this point, although while not a part of this present study. That is not where we are going with this. It is about not being critical to and with others. It is about proper retrospective and inward insight into who you are and how you relate to others regardless of whether they are a believer in Christ or not. The meaning here is that we are not to take vengeance. This law is positive and is universally binding. The moment we feel ourselves acting from a desire to, quote, return evil for evil, end quote, that moment we are acting wrong. It may be right to defend our lives and the lives of our friends, to seek the protection of the law for our persons, reputation, or property against those who would wrong us, to repel the assaults of people maliciously or knowingly making false statements and slanders. But in no case should the motive be to do them wrong for the evil which they have done us. From Barnes New Testament Notes. Also, compare to Romans chapter 12, verse 19. Did you notice what that commentary passage said? It said again, for clarity, it may be right to defend our lives, defend the lives of our friends, seek protection of the law for our persons, reputation, or property, seek protection of the law from those who would wrong us to repel assaults of people maliciously or knowingly making false statements and slanders. Yet, notice the full force of how this statement is constructed to tell us the truth of what Scripture is telling us. It reads, In no case should the motive be to do them wrong for the what? The evil which they have done. To who? The evil which they have done. Us. In no case should the motive be to do them wrong for the evil which they have done us. How can we get around this to support the ill we find in American churches and or the world today? Honestly, we cannot, period. No wonder 
both non-Christians and Christians alike, do not want to go to or even attend church in America anymore. Not everyone, not every church, but far more than there should be. We may, even in a self-justified way and or in a selfish way, make accusations, however tame or strong they may be. Notice our referenced verse from the previous commentary, which reads, Do not avenge yourselves, dear friends, but give place to God's wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Romans chapter 12, verse 19. The command is, to avoid a spirit and purpose of revenge. But this command is not to be so understood that we may not seek for justice in a regular and proper way before civil tribunals. If our character is assaulted, if we are robbed and plundered, if we are oppressed contrary to the law of the land, Religion does not require us to submit to such oppression and injury without seeking our rights in an orderly and regular manner. From Barnes New Testament Notes Maybe this will help make this subject more clear if it is not yet. The Apostle here is addressing private individual Christians. And the command is to avoid a spirit and purpose of revenge. But this command is not to be so understood that we may not seek for justice in a regular and proper way before civil tribunals. If our character is assaulted, if we are robbed and plundered, if we are oppressed, Contrary to the law of the land, religion does not require us to submit to such oppression and injury without seeking our rights in an orderly and regular manner. From Barnes New Testament Notes This seems quite specific. This subject should be regarded with the certainty and clarity that commentary provides here for us. We are not to allow ourselves to become faint-hearted, fearful, uncourageous, or uncommitted with respect to the laws of our own land of which we live in. Yet, commentary reads further. The phrase, quote, to all men, end quote, seems to have been added to avoid the possibility of misconstruction. Some might possibly suppose that this was a good rule to be observed towards those of their own number, but that a greater latitude in avenging injuries might be allowable towards their enemies out of the church. The Apostle, therefore, says that the rule is universal. It relates to the heathen, to infidels, skeptics, and persecutors 
as well as to the members of the church, to every man. We are to do good as we are able, no matter what they do to us. This is the rule which God himself observes toward the evil and unthankful and is one of the original and beautiful laws of our holy religion. From Barnes' New Testament Notes It would seem this commentary passage may better confuse the issue here rather than clarifying it for us. I think the next three verses will help us eliminate this possible confusion. Always rejoice. Constantly pray. In everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. Notice what this passage tells us. Three things to always do with no consideration for the saved or unsaved and the reason why we should seek the highest ability in us to exact these issues. 1. Always rejoice. 2. Constantly pray. 3. In everything give thanks. Why should we do those three and simple things? The last sentence in the last verse reads, For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It really is that simple. It is God's will for us to always rejoice. It is God's will for us to constantly pray. It is God's will for us to give thanks in what? Everything. Not the things we pick and choose for the ease of it, but in everything. Simply put, both in the good things and in the bad things, which together are everything. Where is any variance in that? Commentary is noteful in the regard of constantly praying. If interpreted incorrectly, how could we witness to others, since that alone means we are not necessarily praying constantly? I think this comment from commentary helps in this regard. Believers should be daily and often found in the performance of this duty, for as their wants daily return upon them, and they are called to fresh service in further trials and exercises, they have need for more grace, strength, and assistance, and therefore should daily pray for it and besides certain times, both in the closet and in the family, in which they should attend the throne of grace, there is such a thing as mental prayer, praying in the heart, private utterance suddenly and passionately, or an exclamation of the soul, which may be sent up to heaven while a man is engaged in the affairs of life. From the new John Gill's exposition of the entire Bible. 
I think that is very clear. Moving forward in Scripture, it reads, Do not extinguish the Spirit. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19. Other translations say, Do not quench the Spirit. However you read that, the end result is the same. If you ever wondered how powerful we are as born-again Christians, we are so powerful we can quench, or worse, extinguish the Holy Spirit of God. How does that work? How is it that we, flesh and blood humans, can quench or extinguish the Holy Spirit? Yet, we can. Scripture just said we can by saying not to do it. This language is taken from the way of putting out a fire, and the sense is, we are not to extinguish the influences of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Possibly, there may be an allusion here to fire on an altar, which was to be kept constantly burning. This fire may have been regarded as emblematic of devotion and as denoting that devotion was never to become extinct. The Holy Spirit is the source of true devotion and hence the enkindlings of piety in the heart by the Spirit are never to be quenched. Fire may be put out by pouring on water or by covering it with any incombustible substance, or by neglecting to supply fuel. If it is to be made to burn, it must be nourished with proper care and attention. From Barnes New Testament Notes Commentary makes a nice possible conclusion when it reads, Possibly there may be an illusion here to fire on an altar, which was to be kept constantly burning. A nice simile of that constant burning fire on the altar as the burning fire in us of the Holy Spirit. How amazing is that, that we can quench or extinguish that fire within us called the Holy Spirit? How amazing is it that we can have that effect on the Holy Spirit given all his enormous power. Yet, if we so desire and will, we can quench him to the quick. No wonder so many churches in America no longer see the power of God. With that quenching, and in some cases, the outright extinguishing of the Holy Spirit who is here for us until the return of Jesus Christ, how do we ever provide a way in Christ for those who do not know him? Next week, we will complete this examination of 1 Thessalonians. Next week, look for Paul's conclusion. We will examine four of these verses in this conclusion of chapter 5. Part of verse 23 reads, May your spirit and soul and body be kept entirely blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Really? How does that work? Can it work?
or is there more interpretation required? Find out next week. Play or download next week's episode titled Paul's Conclusion. Download this episode from one of our podcast hosts or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. A quick note to update our listeners to a podcast post move. We will be moving from Podomatic to Pinecast in just a few short weeks. Please note, we are not on Pinecast yet. Please do not look for us there right now. We are not there. We want to give you ample notification of our move to Pinecast so you are ready for it when we move. Our primary reason for moving is the fact that we have greater storage capabilities with Pinecast than we do with Podomatic. On Podomatic, we are limited to 2 gigabytes of storage. If we want or need more, the cost is too prohibitive to obtain. While we also pay for Pinecast hosting, they do not have a storage limit, which, we hope, you find as appealing as we do. More information may follow. Stay alert. All Bible quotes without a citation are from the New English Translation Free Version. All other quotes bear the source they are from. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched, currently an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome, and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Thank you all so much. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled How to Be Saved at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled Introduction About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. For more information, check out our mobile, tablet, and desktop compliant website. Our subdomain hosted at site123.com is unchurched.com site123.me. This website is where you will find additional information about us and the podcast platforms we are in syndication with. Find direct links to all our podcast platforms under the podcast menu item on our website. Our RSS feed is syndicated on many popular podcast platforms. Please use the search phrase, Church of the Un, 
insert dash symbol, church. Again, church of the un, insert dash symbol, church. To find us on a podcast platform like iTunes, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, or Spotify, to name a few. We refresh our RSS feed with every weekly episode upload on Sundays, American Eastern Time. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. If Podomatic has any server issues, all linked episodes on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, and Stitcher will be unavailable for the duration of the server downtime. We therefore post all episodes on our backup host, anchor.fm forward slash unchurched. No matter where you find us, please enjoy our podcast. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be glory forever. Amen. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.